Hi, welcome to And Then. It's a podcast where we look at what comes after a hardship, a hard time, a struggle, a season of trial, and we look at how that actually transforms us and changes us and moves us into a better place and a better person. Um, Today I'm going to tell you a story. I came across a Facebook memory. Um, actually today, and I was just compelled to share this story with you guys. This one stopped me in my tracks. It's a memory, I'm not sure that it's ever popped up before. And it was a picture that I could probably title Miracles, or Answered Prayer, or Goodness of God, or Faithfulness of God. And I can't wait to share this story with you. You might be in a place where you're wondering... Is God even hearing my prayers? I have been praying about this particular thing for so, so long, and I'm not seeing any movement. Is He even hearing my prayers? Or you might be in a place where maybe you have a a child, a teenager, an adult child, who's, um, you know, not living out his or her best, and, and you know that you're praying for them to return home, or you're praying them to return back to the Father. And if that's you, the story is for you. If you are stressed out about your finances, um, the economy, inflation, it's crazy right now, and you're worried, how in the world can my stretch my dollars to cover the month? There's more month than dollars. Then this story is for you. And if you need just a reminder of just how incredibly much God loves you. This story is for you. If you happen to look at my Facebook or Instagram page, you're going to see this picture that I'm referring to. This snapshot of this amazing culmination of miracles moment in time. I'll describe the picture to you. It is a picture of the four of my kids It's uh, 2014, March 11th, 2014. That was one day after my oldest turned 19 years old and was a freshman in college. My daughter was 17, a junior in high school, and my twins were 14 and in eighth grade at middle school. And they're standing, the four of them all huddled together, smiling on the edge of a cliff. Um, And behind them is this vast, Pacific Ocean. It's just incredibly beautiful. And what's in front of them, which you don't see in the picture, is this beautiful campus called Point Loma Nazarene University um, in San Diego, California. But before I go further, I need to back up. I need to set up this amazing moment before I can tell you what that moment represented. Like a lot of families, um, my children have suffered from birth order syndrome. You know, I know I grew up always being the baby and the rights and privileges that came with that. And my sister was the oldest child that always came with the rights and privileges that came with that. But in our family, um, you know, it, it, it definitely happened to be true that I was guilty of having that crazy, terrible disease that makes first time parents obsessive and overprotective and the exact same parents, same two people who, you know, at the end with multiple children, um, find themselves just going, oh, whatever, uh, with their, with their last ones or the babies. And that was certainly true in our case. My oldest 
being the firstborn, had 21 months of being the only child. Paired with the uh, the craziness of a first-time mom, paired with the energy of a 23-year-old, and that child was read to so many books. It was his favorite thing to do is just sit in my lap and listen to books, and we would read and read and read. And we built block towers and puzzles, and he was just... Um, got a lot of really great attention and I was just pouring into him. And I even had these flashcards, like even before the time he was two, he could, I would ask him to point out, you know, any letter of the alphabet and he could point to it. He knew what the letters in the alphabet were. And needless to say, you know, he's doing this. So I'm, I'm like, he's this child's prodigy. He's a genius. He's so smart. You know, like every new mother is with um, all of their children. And he had the crazy overprotective side of me that, you know, he was the first with everything that I did with every, you know, he got, he got the brunt of my mothering mistakes. Um, I was so overprotective of him that I even like forbid him to play with Pokemon. I know like, right. Pokemon. What in the world, Susie? Like, I'm not sure why I thought Pokemon was so terrible, but all the other kids in kindergarten, first grade got to play with Pokemon, but not my son, poor child. And I have apologized, just so you know, um, for being such a, a, a weirdo mother in those early years. But he definitely had that first child, the, the parents, the higher expectations, these standards on him, a lot of pressure that I put on him. Um and partly because I knew he had, he did have a gift. He had a gift with numbers and science and uh, spatial reasoning and things like that. Uh, everything in life that has always confounded me came extremely easy for him. And he didn't have to study much. And let's say, you know, around his junior year of high school, he decided, um, you know, like any normal kid, like he's going to enjoy high school. It's totally normal. But let's just say that he and I butted our heads quite a bit over, let's call them some of the, uh, you know, quote unquote choices that he was making. In March of my oldest senior year, the week before spring break, I started a new business. I saw the writing on the wall. I saw that um, my kids, you know, over the next five years were going to be moving out. And I, I found um, an opportunity to run, um, a, run a neighborhood magazine. And with all of my kids, you know, looking like on the way out that I was like, yeah, this is great. This is perfect. I can, this is going to give me something to do, um, but I can still, you know, be that mom. I can still go to PTA meetings and be on the board or do whatever and, um, and still take the kids to soccer practice and orthodontist or whatever and do all of those things. It was, it's, it was a great setup. Um, so a few months after I started that opportunity, um, the week before spring break, I uh, went to training, then we went to spring break, and then um, started my business from there. Um, and, my, and that later, a couple months later, my son graduated from high school and went on to um, a university on a complete academic scholarship. And we were very proud of him, obviously. Uh, and then he did what, you know, most kids do when they go to college. He pledged a fraternity. Apparently, it was a really, really crazy fraternity. And I'm sure people were like, how did you not know that was like a crazy fraternity? And I mean, I guess maybe we should have known, but 
my husband and I, we got married in college. We went to a school where there was no Greek system. You know, our nights out were basically um, studying. And then if we could afford it, we were lucky to get a party burrito at Taco Bueno. Like all we were doing was studying and working so we could live, you know, our meager existence in our apartment. So I, I had no idea. I, I had no idea what the Greek life was like or what to expect. But apparently this fraternity he joined was um, was pretty wild. So he started off his freshman year, and I would go visit him about once or twice a month, um, maybe sometimes more, and I would just drive up for the day, spend the afternoon with them, have lunch with them, take him shopping, get him whatever he needed, that kind of thing. And every single time I left, I had this complete uneasiness about where he was physically, spiritually, emotionally. And I knew this fraternity was compromising him. I knew it was a it was a really, really bad thing for him, for his future. It was it was full of temptations. And I know I'm sure all fraternities and sororities have temptations, but some of the kids in this fraternity had so much wealth that it really compounded the amount of things that he was exposed to and um, had access to, I guess. And so about every single night of that year, I woke up and I couldn't go back to sleep. I just would be praying and praying and praying, sometimes for hours, just asking God to guard him, to watch over him, to protect him, to intercede for him, um, to preserve him, because I knew of the, I knew how how much he could accomplish and I knew that this was not the right place for him. And I had absolutely no peace. None. Not at all. Simultaneously, this is the first year of my business, and my business is actually taking off. It was a success. and I, I was having a lot of fun doing it. And um, I was experiencing some financial success that just came as a result of the success of the publication that Frankly, I never, I never expected to. I really came into it as kind of like a fun part-time hobby kind of thing, and it really exploded from there. One year later to that week, we were preparing to take our other three kids on a Southern California college tour. My daughter has always wanted to go to Pepperdine, and so we were going to make a big trip out of it, you know, see some state schools in addition to um, Pepperdine and Point Loma Nazarene University, Westmont. Um, we had a, a nice whole trip planned out. It was going to be great. Literally just before we left, my oldest calls and asks if he can come. He was supposed to be going to the beach with a bunch of guys from his fraternity, but the rental, understandably, backed out at the last minute. I wasn't going to rent to this, this group of college guys. It was a smart move on their part. And he had nowhere to go. So we booked another ticket for him. And he came along with us uh, quite unexpectedly um, on our college tour trip. We started our trip in San Diego. And we stayed in the Sheridan. If you've ever been to San Diego, that's like right across the street from the airport. And the day after my oldest turned 19, March 11th, 2014, we had a tour at Point Loma Nazarene University. I want to paint a picture of what that day looked like. So imagine the oldest, 19, he's supposed to be at the beach with all his college buddies. This was 
now he's being forced to be going on this college tour that he doesn't even want to go on. He's not in a good mood. He's very sour. Um, Our daughter, who we're doing this tour for, she's in the hotel room, and she was in this, like, space, like, Every teenager goes through that, you know, they like to express their, their selves through certain accessories. And she had these combat boots and like, you know, if it, she had maybe been the last, I probably would have been like, whatever, we're the stupid combat boots. But, um, I was like, you know, come on, honey, it's a college interview. Can you please just change your shoes? Um, and she was not happy with me. She put on different shoes. She's hurt her feet. So then we was hearing all about that. And then I thought she was having an interview. It wasn't an interview, but I thought she was going to have an interview. And so I, uh, she didn't have any makeup on, and she's very, very pretty, didn't need makeup. But I just was like, well, maybe you just want to put on a little mascara. And you know, that definitely was not the right thing to say. You know, she, to that, she's like, what, you don't think I'm pretty? And I'm like, no, honey, of course I think you're beautiful. But, you know, it's an, it's an interview, so you know, maybe just a touch. Um, so that drama is going on with her. And then you have the two 14 year olds who are like, you know, 14, they could care less about a college. They don't want to go on the tour. They're like, I want to go to the pool. I want to go see the beach. I want to do all these other things. So, you know, why do we have to go? Can't we stay back? So we have all of that happiness just packed into the car as we drive onto the Point Loma campus. If you've seen the movie Maverick, you know that last movie, the second Top Gun movie with Tom Cruise in it, you will know exactly where the school is. Visually, take yourself back to the scene where Iceman was buried, that beautiful cemetery with all of those white headstones. That's actually a naval cemetery in Point Loma. It's next to Cabrillo National Monument. It's an incredible, it's one of the most breathtaking cemeteries I've ever seen. It's, it's a beautiful view. Cabrillo National Monument's incredibly gorgeous as well. And Point Loma Nazarene University is right next door. The school has that same exact incredible, amazing, breathtaking views. So if you're curious, like what, you know, if you're trying to visualize what it looked like, that's, that's what it looked like. Take yourself back there. So we get to the car. With all those happy, happy children, you know, we get out of the car. Of course, my 14-year-olds immediately start engaging in a shoving match, you know, and I'm like, stop, you know, stop, stop it, stop it. And we get inside, we're trying to look like we're a happy family, and they start with this video, and I'm sitting in a row behind my oldest two, and I'm just listening to the narrative of the video. I'm watching my oldest two, I'm especially watching my uh, son, and I just knew he was listening coming up with all of these reasons of why she should not even consider the school. You know, that it wasn't going to be any fun. There was no Greek system. Um, They didn't even have a football team, for goodness sakes. Like, why would she want to go to the school? And um, the, the, the video kept talking about how getting an education wasn't just about getting a degree, but taking that education and making a difference. They had students giving testimonials on the video about how their faith had deepened and strengthened and how much closer they had grown to Christ. Next, the tour started, and I'm thinking, surely my oldest is going to corner my daughter, take her aside, and, you know, try to talk some sense into her. But he doesn't, and we continue on the tour. And like I said, it's a stunning, stunning campus. 
every view is gorgeous. You cannot stand on that campus and not marvel at God's creation. The, the sheer vastness of the ocean, the dramatic cliffs and the drops, drop-offs to the beach, it's just the most breathtaking beauty. And we're in this beautiful place taking in this tour, and the tour is about to come to a conclusion. And my husband and my uh, daughter, my twins are in front of us. And my son is hanging back with me. Um, we're just walking and just taking it all in. And he stops and he says to me with 100% seriousness, Mom, do you think I can transfer here? And of course, to which I answer without even, you know, you probably should have consulted my husband. Didn't. I'm just like, yes, of course. Of course you can. And he and I marched straight into the admissions building. But I want to, I want to pause here and point out some of these amazing miracles that happen in this story. I want to start with provision. One year to the week I started a business, I was doing so well financially for that business that without hesitating, I could say yes. Now, remember, he had a full scholarship. Uh, Transferring to a new school, you're not going to get a full scholarship. You might get something, but you're not going to get a full scholarship. And God provided those resources in a new way, provided a a way for him to go um, and prepared that path before he even started college. He started that process even before he ever was in college. Second miracle, timing. Our son wasn't even supposed to be with us. That God worked to intervene to make sure that our son was with us on that trip was not an accident. The third miracle, and something that just really humbled me to my core, is seeing God show up in such an amazing way with his love. To see how much he loves our children even more than we do. He, he cares so much. And my goodness, I, I really love my kids. And I'm sure if you're a mom, you really love your kids. I mean, I remember one time my oldest was bitten in Mother's Day out. This kid like took a hump. Well, it didn't actually take a hunk, but it felt uh, it looked like these giant teeth marks in his leg. I was like ready to go hunt that kid down and, you know, have some serious words with that child. I mean, mama's love is fierce. And then God shows up and he's like, my love is even more. I love him even more than you do. And the last miracle was answered prayer. You know, remember, and I talked about that whole, ever since he started school, that whole academic school year, every night I'd been praying for him. Every night I woke up, I was completely not at peace. I had no peace. I knew that there was spiritual warfare going on over there. And God showed up and he answered. He heard my prayers even when I felt like they weren't being answered when I didn't see any movement. You know, I know a lot of times we pray and we pray. We just don't see anything on the outside happening. But he was there and he was working a miracle the whole time. So that picture of the four of them on the cliff was taken just after we finished at the admissions office. We got in the car and we continued to drive around campus and the four of them got out and explored the cliffs. We were all marveling at the incredible beauty. And I, they stood there 
And I took that picture. And today, that picture showing up is that picture says to me how incredibly faithful God is. It was nine years ago. I want to tell you what has happened in this past nine years. So he did end up transferring. He did all the legwork. You know, I wasn't going to make it easy for him. If he was going to do it, he needed to do it. And he did make it happen. And God was so good. And he provided the provision for not just for him to go to that school, but his sister ended up following him there. They both graduated um, from that university. My oldest, when he got there, he completely changed. Like the, it was like a reversion back to kind of his old self. He was in leadership and he studied and he graduated with honors in biochemistry and he um, went on to medical school and he's now a doctor uh, in residency, almost finished with his residency. And he's, you know, serving patients and really, really making a difference. My daughter, after um, she graduated from high school, she uh, went to the school as well and uh, just had a real heart for missions and for um, human trafficking. And she spent a summer in Costa Rica uh, helping uh, women. Um, and that's where she actually met her husband that she's married to now. And now she's, she and her husband are back in San Diego. And she is in law school and um, only has about a year left. And our twins, the 14-year-olds at the time, they, they too ended up there. They... they uh, they took the low rest traveled, which is totally fine. They took a few year break. They spent it on a mountain working at a ski resort, living the dream. I guess, you know, we all work so hard so we can go skiing and they got to ski every day. So that was pretty awesome for them. And now they're back in school and they're finishing up. And this last week, 10 years ago, to the time that I started my training, I started my business, I launched another business, another publication in San Diego. And I look over these last 10 years, and how can I not see God's hand over every single aspect? It was His path. It was His leading. It was His timing his direction over all of it. God was so good. Every time I think about it, it just makes me uh, want to cry because he was, he was so, so good. So today, if you're scared, you have that child who's on a path you know is not the right path. If you think there's no way finances could just miraculously show up in a way that you never thought or or planned for, just know that his ways are higher. His ways are better. He has an outcome. He has an answered prayer for you. And it comes in his timing. I know we want it on our timing, but it is his timing, but he hears you and he's so good. Right now, one of my favorite worship songs is called um, The Goodness of Grace. I just want to read some of these lyrics over you. I wish I could sing them, but you would cry. So I'm just going to read them. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. All my days, I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. 
all my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire. In the darkest night, you are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness of God. I hope this session blessed you in some way or encouraged you. I have some really great interviews coming up. I know I've been on a little bit of a pause as I've been ramping up that other business that I just mentioned. Um, So I'm getting back to my podcast. New episodes are coming out. And I can't wait to share those stories with you. You guys are going to be so encouraged. I have um, three amazing interviews that are coming up. So stay tuned for those. And until then, I'll see you next time.